Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another mini-sode of How Did We Not Know That? My name's Nat, and today is part two of my mini-series on permanently inhabited U.S. territories. So if you haven't listened to part one where I talked about Guam, be sure to check it out before you listen to this episode. The Northern Mariana Islands are a collection of 22 islands located in Micronesia, which is in the Pacific. And in our last episode, I talked about the history of the Mariana Islands and the eventual split between Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. I'm going to give a very brief refresher on the island's early history, but you can hear a more detailed account in part one. The islands were settled by people from Southeast Asia and would later be known as the Chamorros. However, in 1521, they were conquered by Ferdinand Magellan of Spain, and they were named the Islands of Thieves. Later, though, the name was changed to the Mariana Islands in the year 1668 in honor of King Philippe IV's widow. Permanent colonization of the island began later that year after the arrival of the Jesuit priest Diego Luis de San Vitores. The Spanish quickly built churches and religious schools and forced islanders to convert to Christianity. However, the islanders tried to resist conversion, which led to a series of revolts and battles that would be known as the Chamorro Wars. In order to control the population more easily, the Spanish forcefully moved the population into settlements in Guam, where islanders would have to take an oath of allegiance to the king of Spain. A large number of islanders were either killed in the process or died from the rapid spread of disease in these new settlements. Flash forward to the year 1899, when Spain lost to the U.S. in the Spanish-American War. The U.S. gained possession of the island of Guam, but Spain was able to sell the other Mariana Islands to Germany. And this sale would be the beginning of the permanent division between Guam and the Northern Marianas. After the purchase, Germany quickly established an administrative center in the Northern Mariana Islands, and would later build schools, hospitals, and large coconut plantations. However, Germany's authority over the islands was very short-lived, and 15 years later, there would be another change of powers. In October 1914, at the beginning of World War I, Japan seized control of the Northern Mariana Islands along with the rest of Germans' possessions in Micronesia after declaring war on Germany. There were actually a series of secret agreements between Japan and Britain that gave Japan the authority to maintain power over the islands. And on June 28, 1919, the islands were officially administered to Japan through the Treaty of Versailles. So as a quick reminder, at this time, the Northern Mariana Islands were controlled by Japan while Guam was still under US rule. Like we talked about in Guam's episode, Japanese rule over the islands of Micronesia was very strict. 
The islanders had very little say in regards to the local government, and everyone was forced to learn Japanese. Japan's focus for the northern Mariana Islands was economic development, and several large sugarcane plantations were started. Additionally, the Japanese wanted to improve public health conditions, and many hospitals were built. Then, in December 1941, Japan took control of Guam, securing their hold over the entire region. Later, in 1944, U.S. Marines landed in Saipan, which is one of the main islands of the northern Mariana Islands, and the Battle of Saipan began. After three weeks, the U.S. emerged victorious and gained control over the islands. In 1947, responsibility of the northern Mariana Islands was officially handed over to the U.S. Navy after President Harry Truman signed an agreement with the United Nations that established the Trust Territory of the Pacific Islands in Micronesia. The U.S. quickly began working overtime towards the economic and military development of the islands in Micronesia. Saipan and Guam became crucial military bases for the Allies in World War II and were actually the launching sites for the planes that carried out the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. After the end of World War II, on July 1, 1951, a peace treaty was signed between the U.S. and Japan, and Japan renounced its claims of the Micronesian Islands. This next part is a bit confusing, but I'll try my best to explain it in basic terms. So, many member countries of the United Nations didn't think that the islands in Micronesia were ready to become independent nations. So, several islands were placed under strategic trusteeship of the UN Security Council. Basically, the Northern Mariana Islands, the Marshall Islands, and the Caroline Islands were placed under U.S. oversight as long as the U.S. promised to help the island's development towards self-government or independence. In the 1970s, the status of Micronesian islands and their relationship with the U.S. came into the spotlight again. Ultimately, the Northern Mariana Islands chose not to seek complete independence and instead agreed on approving a self-governing Commonwealth status with the U.S., much like Puerto Rico. This means that the people of the Northern Mariana Islands are U.S. citizens by birth, but can't vote in presidential elections and don't pay federal taxes. And in 2008, the Northern Mariana Islands elected a delegate to the House of Representatives for the first time. This representative is able to introduce legislation to the floor, but can only vote in committees. The Northern Mariana Islands, and specifically the island of Saipan, have become a huge production center for garment industries since the late 20th century. This is because the territory's special commonwealth status means that the islands are exempt from a lot of U.S. labor standards and immigration laws. The many garment factories on the islands rely on foreign workers sourced from Bangladesh, China, the Philippines, and other countries in Asia without restriction. The factories are able to maintain extremely poor working conditions because of legal loopholes, and companies who rely on this source of labor are still able to mark their clothing as made in the USA. In order to try to improve the working conditions in these factories, the U.S. enacted minimum wage legislation on the islands in 2007, and the fight still continues today in order to guarantee the safety of the workers on the islands. Aside from manufacturing, tourism makes up a quarter of the Northern Mariana Islands GDP and employs around half of the island's workforce. Many of the tourists that visit the islands come from Asia, which has contributed to the island's culture and the growing migrant population. About a quarter of the population are Chamorros, 
and Filipinos make up the largest immigrant group, accounting for about a third of the population. There are smaller numbers of Chinese, Korean, and other Pacific Islander populations as well. Recently, there has been such a large influx of people migrating to the northern Mariana Islands that only two-fifths of the residents are native-born, and a majority of migrants come to the islands in order to work in the garment manufacturing industry. The northern Mariana Islands have a long and complicated history of foreign occupation and war. You can still see the impact of this today in the island's sort of hodgepodge culture. Because of its lengthy and violent rule, Spain has left an enormous impact on the islands. About 90% of residents are Roman Catholic, and if you were to visit the northern Mariana Islands, you would see several Spanish-style churches and Spanish-influenced cha-cha dancing. The U.S. has also left a significant impact on the island's culture. It's very hard to ignore the large U.S. military presence on the islands or the many American restaurant and retail chains. And the increasing Asian migrant population has contributed to the island's music scene, which is made up of traditional Chamorro dancing and Asian pop songs. You can also hear the diversity of the islands through the variety of languages spoken by residents. The official languages of the Northern Mariana Islands are Chamorro, Carolinian, and English, but it's also common to hear Tagalog, Chinese, and Korean when you walk down the streets. As always, I continue to encourage listeners to pay more attention to the complex society and politics of the Northern Mariana Islands, the rest of Micronesia, and other U.S. territories. I'll see you guys again in part three of the series when we'll be talking about the U.S. Virgin Islands. Thanks for listening. This has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That? If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That? If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know. We thought so, too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening, and see you guys next week.